And a good morning to you and welcome to the show. The Back Nine Boys Golf Show is brought to you by Mizuno Golf. Reach beyond by Sea Palms Resort. Become a member at seapalms.com. By Club Car, the leader in sport utility and personal vehicles. By RSM, proud sponsor of the RSM Classic, giving back to our community. And by Bridgestone Golf. Get fit for your Tour B ball today. On the show, we're going to talk with Dr. Joe Parent, author of Zen Golf, about how to get into that Zen feeling on the course. Then we'll talk with Tom D'Angelo of the Palm Beach Post about his two-hour in-person interview with Greg Norman. And then we'll have the impressions from Dave Schultz. He went to the first LIV US event in Portland, and he was there. And we're going to talk to him about what he felt about it how he feels about the live tournament and the format. But first up is our interview with the author of Zen Golf, Dr. Joe Parent. Game. It's about getting out of your own way and getting the most out of your abilities. And too often our minds are, uh, are our enemies rather than our allies. So I want to help you make your mind an ally instead of an enemy. Uh, Zen Golf was written uh, to uh, help people understand what gets in the way, how to clear the interference, and let their talent shine through. Okay, so Dr. Joe, what gets in the way? What gets in the way almost uh, entirely has to do with outcomes. Now, okay. sometimes what gets in the way has to do with the outcome of how other people see you and think of you. Uh, sometimes it has to do with how you think of uh, and the expectations you have for yourself. And all those are tied to uh, the outcome of how your swing looks, how your mm -hmm. swing, what the shots your swing produces the scores you make on each hole, and eventually the scores on the rounds. So um, I worked with Christy Kerr and helped her get to number one in the world, and, and we came up with a great acronym that uh, the letters W-A-R, which spell war, okay. you worry about results, you're at war with yourself. Hmm. Well, you know, I've had a conversation with uh, some golf instructors about expectations on the golf course. And she said to me, if you go out and expect to shoot between this score and this score and you double bogey the first three holes, where are your expectations? I said, they're out the window. And she goes, exactly. Uh, that the interesting thing is it depends on your level because you could do that on the first three holes and then play and and then having given up your expectations play the best golf of your life on the rest of the 15 yeah, holes. Yeah, you're right. You, you so, could have gotten uh, So I actually it. encourage yeah. people to uh, to lower their standards uh, as far as their expectations of themselves because, you know, everybody thinks that they're supposed to shoot their best round ever uh, every time they go out and play. But, you know, the handicap system it's actually set up that you're only going to shoot your handicap or better one out of four times. So huh. you're going to, if that's your expectation, you're going to be disappointed three out of every four times. Yeah, 75% of the time. So 
if you're working with an amateur and if compared you, and if you do shoot it more often they're yeah. going to lower it on you so that it happens the same way next time right so, so instead go in with an with a what we call in the zen tradition don't know mind i don't know what today has in store for me but if i take care of my process and do my best to produce the best quality shots I can each time and stay out of my own way the best I can, the results will take care of themselves. Okay, do you think that most amateur golfers, and I'm sure pro golfers go through the same thing, do you think we beat ourselves up a lot about our golf game? Oh, yeah. Uh, so much so that <laughs> I, I ran into someone who saw my uh, Zen Golf logo, and they said, Zen and golf? Those two do not go together. <laughs> <laughs> they battle and each other. They experienced anger and frustration and, uh, uh, and a lot of that on the, on the golf course. And, yeah, we do. In fact, I have, a, I have a chapter in Zen Golf called Fire Your Evil Caddy. And uh, I, in one of my uh, corporate outings, I have people, I say, I'm going to pretend to be your caddy. And I say, now get up there and... You know, whatever you do, don't screw this up like you usually do. Mm. Then I say, pretend to swing, and then I say, oh, gosh, you stink. You're the worst ever. Mm. And so I ask people, uh, how long would you want me as your caddy, saying stuff like that? I said, oh, you were fired already. Right. <laughs> A nanosecond is the longest anybody wants to keep me on. Right. And then I ask the question, how often do you talk to yourself that way? Oh, my gosh. And everybody goes, oh, yeah, with like recognition that... That's how we talk to ourselves. And I said, so, so you are, you're bringing an evil caddy, your own evil caddy, around with you. Fire your evil caddy and be your own best friend. All Start right. by pre-accepting and saying, look, yeah. I know my level of ability. I know my, my dispersion pattern, where my shots are likely to go when they don't go perfectly. And I'm going to accept that because they're not going to all go perfectly. I mean, Ben Hogan said... If I hit three shots and around just the way I want to, it's a good round of golf. Yeah. Three. Yeah. But we we think all of them are supposed to be that way. Yeah. Lower your standards to Ben's standards. Yeah, I and mean. he was pretty good. Yeah, I like that. I mean, it's it's a point. We beat ourselves up a lot. You know, we miss a putt. We miss. We hit it in the sand. We hit it in the water. We do beat ourselves up a lot because we do, even though golf is not a game of perfect, we would like to be. A little bit more perfect than we are so how do we get when we're beating ourselves up how do we get out of beating ourselves up okay so the first part is recognition and saying uh, you know um, what's you know what am I doing and how am I talking to myself and there's a there's a line from a movie where the uh, called bridge of spies where one person uh, the, the the lead asks the other one, you know, you're going to be in a lot of trouble um, if this happens. Are you worried? And and the guy answers, would it help? <laughs> would it help to work? Is talking to yourself that way, is that helping you? Yeah. And if not, then change the habit. And in Zen Golf, I have a habit-changing system I call Ninja, which is necessary intention and non-judgmental awareness. Just set the intention. I want to talk to myself that way less. Not perfect, but less. Right. And then just each time you realize you've done it, just 
put a mark down or count in your mind. Oh, that was one. Oh, that was two. And and knowing that you're gonna you're accountable for your own self-talk, you're gonna start to without trying, you're gonna start to lessen and lessen and lessen and lessen those. So the real you know way to play Zen golf um, start with your preparation, and and that is the the most important thing. And you know I, I was asked uh, to do a uh, at a corporate outing where it was a shotgun start to give a thirty second lesson before everybody teed off. Oh wow! I said, okay, here's what I got for you. Before you walk into each shot, take a full breath. Let it slowly go all the way out and let yourself feel really settled and grounded and then proceed with your shot. And I can't tell you how many people came up and said, geez, that one thing just transformed my round. Wow. So, so that's what I have to offer for your listeners. Just, just start with that and have a clear picture where you do want the ball to go and, and pick a club and make a plan that you can handle whatever the results are. Because, you know, as they say, if you can't handle the truth, <laughs> if you can't handle the results, you're going to get in your own way, and you're going to either try to help it do something or, or try to avoid something bad, and you're not going to make a free swing. And so get out of your own way, free it up, and it's going to come down somewhere. Right, right. And after the shot, don't beat yourself up if you hit a bad shot. Just try to figure out what got in the way. Make a replacement swing and say, yeah, I didn't forget how to swing. I got it my own way. I'm going to do better next time. Well, That keeps you from beating yourself up. Yeah, and you always know what happens when you hit a bad shot or you miss a putt or you put it in the water, whatever, and then you say, well, let me just hit another one for the heck of it, and that other one goes perfectly exactly where you wanted it to go. It goes in the cup. It doesn't go in the water, and you say, boy, Bubba plays really good. Why couldn't I do that the first time? Well, that's why we have the phrase in golf, second team All-American. And yeah. <laughs> that's the second guy hit first. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's so common. In fact, I had, a, I had a student who would go up and pretend to make a bad, hit a bad shot. He'd pretend, he'd swing the club near the ball and go, oh, crap. And he'd say, oh, I'll just hit another one. And then actually play the shot and hit a good shot. Hmm. Wow. Isn't that funny? Interesting concept. So we, that's how we are. Yeah. So the, the whole point is that when we get out of our own way, we know how to play. And, and sometimes we don't know exactly what happened. Don't overanalyze it. Just make the swing you wish you'd yeah. made. You know what that feels like. Yeah. And go on. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got to get your hips through it or swing the right way, just go ahead and do it and quit beating yourself up. Give us yeah, how to get you know, the books, Dr. Joe. I'd rather you didn't think so much about your technique as your rhythm yeah. freedom. Yeah. Just think, just make the swing that feels rhythmic and free, and then say, yeah, uh, that's what I want to do next time. Well, Dr. Joe, give us how to get some of your books, especially Zen Golf. Uh, wherever, wherever fine books are sold, uh, Amazon and, and all, the other, all the other booksellers. And you can... Um, See all of my books on my website, drjoeparent.com. Golf, I'm definitely going to try and think a little bit differently on the golf course. Thank you for your time. Bye-bye.
That is Dr. Joe Parent, author of Zen Golf and other Zen books, trying to help us think a little bit differently and not be so hard on ourselves. Up next is reporter Tom D'Angelo, who sat down with LIV Commissioner Greg Norman. We'll be back with him right after this on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Hi, I'm Dottie Pepper with CBS Sports, and you are listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. Our next guest sat down with LIV Commissioner Greg Norman in his office in Palm Beach. It's Tom D'Angelo, who writes for the Palm Beach Post. And Tom and I talked the other day about his time with Greg Norman. It was interesting, to say the least, which is uh, anybody would say about talking to Greg at this time in his life. Right. Um, you know, Greg has been Greg has had been on this mission since 1994, and he's always had an issue with the PGA for all the reasons he has stated, and the, you know, the what he the, the the word he uses more than more than any other is monopoly. They have monopoly on on uh, on their players, on their golf, on their on golf. Right. Uh, so so he, you know, he went through everything he everything he. Um, has been through through the years uh, the vision for live, which is really interesting. A lot of things I haven't covered, been out there in Portland that I didn't know. And he is um, he's pretty determined to make this work. He believes it's going to make this work. Uh, there's a lot of things that have to happen. I still believe. I uh, look Saudi Arabia is not going to run out of money, so right. there's always going to be money. Right. The question is whether they continue to how. how patient they are in backing and putting out the money, the billion, I mean, we're talking billions right. of dollars that are going to be put out for this uh, if they don't have a television contract, if they don't have sponsors, uh, if they can't, uh, you know, their vision is to sell these teams, these 12 four-man teams, the vision is to sell them for millions and millions of dollars, right. and m most of that money going back to live, part of that money going to the captain of the team. The captains are the bigger names, the DeChambos and Kepkes and Nicholsons and Garcia and all the Dustin Johnson. Right. They will be the principal players. They will have a stake in the team. And then the idea is these teams run as independent contractors, and they market themselves, and they sponsor. They go out and get their own sponsorship. Wow. All right, and well, let me ask you this. That money goes, a lot of that money goes back to Liv. All right, Tom, what is the vision for Liv, according to Greg Norman? What is the vision? Yes. His, his vision... I, if you if you said well, what would you want this to end up, he would want to end up in a partnership with the PGA Tour, where it, well, I shouldn't say not a partnership, but he wants his players to be independent contractors to be able to control their own. Uh, I guess you know the, the term now, name, image, and likeness, make money off themselves while working with the PGA Tour. From the start, he wanted to work with the PGA Tour and allow. Players to play both tours, I think that's kind of ambitious. I don't know how they can do that with 14 live tour live, I, I uh, agree. I agree events every year starting yeah. next year. Right. And also, and then also within, and then you have the majors. So he just he just wants it to be, I guess, similar to the DP tour is right now with the PGA tour, kind of the live tour along with it, and, and be able to you know have have their players play in both leagues and uh, both tours and, and you know and everything and everybody you know, come together, I, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I've heard him say in several interviews was he wants to coexist with the PGA Tour. Right. Now, that's fine for him to say. However, some of the language that he's used in some of the releases and press conferences shows me or tells me that it, it's not a coexist. He wants what he wants, 
and he wants the PGA Tour to kind of give in to what's happening with Live Tour. Right, and I think um, I think at the start, and I think at the start, if there was, if they were able to talk it out, there'd be a better chance of this. Right. Um, but he's, you're right. I don't, I don't see him ever being all chummy with the PGA Tour, considering the way he's felt about this right. for more than thirty for thirty years right. now. Right. And and what he's done to that, and and you know, and then now, kind of the. Uh, is it beyond repair? I mean, the the the, the back and forth. It's 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 been actually it's it got to the point of being petty, and I'm going to say both sides. I wrote a column about this. Both sides it got petty. Sure. But it got it got ugly, and the things they've said about each other. And uh, I I kind of bl- I blame both sides in this, but I, I I don't think the tour the tour will not forgive. Now it doesn't mean these guys will never ever again play on the PGA Tour if something happened with Liv. But they're not going to forgive this period, forget about this period, right. and how what these players did turning their backs on on the tour, and and what Liv did trying to you know poaching these players from the tour. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you that this probably could have been avoided to the stage of where it is now if they could have gotten together prior to. But everybody knows mm-hmm. that Norman, as you said, since '94 has had uh, an issue with the PGA Tour and how they've handled it. Even though that's how he started out making all the money that he has. But it, it just seems that the rhetoric is not friendly, that the rhetoric is not to get together, uh, that the rhetoric is we're going to be here, we've got the money behind us, and you guys are going to have to join us and let them play as individual contractors. Right. And, you know, and I think there are not – a week or two ago, I would have said I thought these players were going to be allowed to play. Look, they have to play the – if they don't play the major, if they're not allowed to play in the majors, and they're not – Getting world golf points. What what are they? They're just a bunch of kind of traveling, exactly, mission, making making a, a ton of money. Yeah. Money, but that's what that they want. Fine, but that's what they are. Yeah, it's no an longer exhibition their golf match. legacy. Their, their their whole legacy in golf is, is gone. Yeah, and up to this point, from this point on, there's none. So what what are they going to be? And I, I'll tell you, from what I'm hearing, from what they said yesterday at the British Open, from what the uh, Seth Wall, the PGA of America, said at the PGA Championship that they're kind of in lockstep with the poor. Right. Um, I, I'm. I'm not. Now I'm like I don't even know if it's fifty-fifty. I think that we are going to find out a whole lot, and in the, in the probably the entire future of this tour could hinge on what the Masters does next April. Well, I think it also depends on this, Tom, as far as what ranking points they're going to get, because yeah. they're only playing fifty-four holes. <clears throat> we all know that. To play in the majors, you've got to have enough points to get in based on that. And if they don't get enough ranking points for only 54 holes, it's going to be difficult for those guys who went to the Live Tour to play in the majors. Right, and that's where the majors have their, well, you know, we're going to go by our criteria, and our right. criteria is and if they start losing their world golf ranking, uh, their ranking, and, and, you know, their world golf ranking points, um, they can all, the, that majors can say, wash their hands of it and say, well, they, 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 you know, they don't meet that criteria. They're not, they're not in. Right. So they could go that way too. Right. So my, yeah. So that whole, that's what I say the majors, the world golf rankings, that that will determine the future. Now, if they don't get it, if they're not in the majors and they don't, I, 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 I just don't know. I, I'm just so, I'm just surprised on these guys committed and just walked away yep. without knowing the future. And yep. to me, those players who did that. It's one thing, and they showed their hand. They cared nothing about anything but the money uh, because 
they're happy. And if they're happy in their lives, Brooks Kepka's happy at 30. Mickelson's all right. He's in his 40s. Okay. Right. But if these right. young guys, the, the Paul Casey's, the, the, the Kepka's, the Johnson's, these, if, if they're happy with not playing another major and, and they, they work their whole life for this, okay. I mean, that's, that's their decision. But, man, it, I, I, I got to question that, you know, what, what they were really thinking. And, and, if, and if five, six, ten years down the road – Will they be happy they made that decision? Aside from sitting on a boatload of money, will yeah, they be I happy mean, they made that decision? Let's face it. They went for the money, and there is no doubt about yep. it. I mean, I've talked yep. to PGA guys. I've talked to PGA Tour caddies. They definitely went for the money, disregarding honest, all the, uh, all the, all uh, the history. I had a very honest conversation with Charles Schwartzel when I, I was, it was. It's interesting, too, covering an event. It's so much different. I was, during, the, during his pro-am, I, I went up to him and asked him if we could talk to him when he was done. He had won the first... Um, Right, live event, event and right. he's from Palm Beach, and he's lived well, he's from. Yeah. He's now living in in Jupiter, as half the tour is. And yeah. uh, he said, oh, "Yeah, walk with me." So, you know, something you would never do on a PGA tour. Correct. Event. Walk down the middle of a fairway with one of the golfers as they're playing their pro am. Stop when he hits the ball and continue talking to him, which is what we did for two holes. Yeah. And he he it was refreshing. He said, "Look, whatever, no matter what anybody says, we're all here for one reason: the money." And I give him credit. He admitted it. They were there for the money. Charles Schwartzel was ranked is ranked in the 120s, the 30s, and you know they're obviously a great golfer. If he got but but not the elite, not he's made I don't know he's made millions. But okay, he went. I I, I get, it, but just be honest about it. And some of these guys like Pat Perez, I was missing my kids' birthdays. You know what? That's on you. Yeah. Don't go to that tournament that exactly. weekend. You didn't have to go to that tournament that weekend and miss your kids' birthday if you if it was going to bother you this much. Exactly. So because because if your kids' birthday is the same weekend as one of those 14 events next year, you're going to miss it again because right. those events now are tied to team standings, and those team standings are tied to a year-round. I, I, it's a year-round, uh, you know, uh, a compilation of points and all that. Right. So that, that, that all was – I had no sympathy for that because those were just excuses for the ones who didn't want to say, I just went for the money. Yeah, and, you know, that's the thing. I mean, DeChambeau and a couple of others have said, we went for the money. There is no doubt. And to say that you're going to miss your child's birthday or that you wanted to have more time with your family, just take off more if you're still playing on the PGA yep. Tour. And they're just, I, what I get upset about is that they're, they're not basically telling the truth of why they went. Right, right. And, and, you, know, and you know what is, is, so if they get, their, their, their goal is to play these, play live in the majors. Well, there's 18 events right there. Right. And, and you know, can't tell me they're not going to play a couple more somewhere. Exactly. There is no less time spent on the golf course doing this. Right. Uh, other than the one day a week, other than the three rounds. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the detriment as far as world ranking points. They're not going to get yeah. the same. And it's just going to be different. And right now, I think it's a pro-am. It's an exhibition um, of playing with a pro, uh, watching a, uh, four pros play together. There's no drama in a shotgun start as far as I can see. Uh, I'm not a fan of the format, but I could be in the minority as far as that concerns. No, I don't like that. I'm with you with the shotgun start. Yeah. It's very weird. They they all come into scoring it where the end of it is like a, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. It's like mess. cattle coming into the corral. And so you're all over the course. Who's, yeah. Who's, you know, and the other thing is they talk about fairness in the shotgun start. And the thing part about it was, you know, you have your early wave and your late wave and the weather, and someone could get an unfair advantage because they're going to afternoon and it's windy. That's right. just happening today at the British Open. But, but but here's the thing. You have guys, you know, the, the, the you're coming down to the end, and if you're, 
two guys that are fighting it out, and one's got three of the easier holes left, and one's got 17, 18, and one, or two, right. three of the harder. It, there's, there's nothing, you know, it's, it's the same thing. It, there's, nothing, there's no way you're going to get it 100% fair Correct. and even and equal. There's always something. So you, you, it just depends where you start and where you end. And if you're tied coming down the end and someone has like six and seven and they're the toughest holes in the yep. course, yep. How, is, how is that? You know, that, there's all kinds of, you can, you know, they, they can, they can, they can spin it any day, any way they want to make right. it. But it's not the like, same. You know, it's a, it's better for them. But you can always pick apart that. Exactly. All right. One last question. How did you find Norman? Was he defensive? Was he just very open? No, was he, he kind of nonchalant no. about it? He is. He's arrogant about it. Yeah. He's just. Oh, that's Greg. He, he's sitting there about. He just. Uh, you know, come at me. I, I don't care what you say. You know, this is the way it's going to be. I don't think he, he cares one bit. The, the, and the best part about this is he didn't even. I was sitting there when the story broke that the Department of Justice is looking into the PGA Tour for antitrust ah, violations. Okay. And I was sitting at. We were sitting at the desk. His publicist got a, a notification. She showed him. Not showing. She just showed him the phone, the headline. And he said, hey, show him. So they showed me the headline, and he said, and he just continued on talking like it didn't matter. Right. He's just, he's just, he's just, he's, I guess the best way is arrogant, and is that, that's good or bad, I don't know. I guess if you're, whether we agree or anyone else agrees with what he's doing, he, he's in it 100%. I give him that, and he, and he thinks it's going to work, and he thinks because I'm Greg Norman, I'm going to make it work. That's great. If it works, that's probably the only way, it, the reason it will work, because, because of his attitude toward it, and he's not backing down from anything. Well, and he's just not. Yeah, I'm just, a, you know, yeah. OK, fine. Department of Justice. I knew this was going to happen. And he went on and talked yeah. about it. And didn't blink. Didn't well, even, it, not one bit of reaction when he saw that headline. Yeah, but it's his arrogance, his determination to hurt the PGA Tour and the Saudi money doesn't hurt. That's a combination that is going to be hard yep. to beat. Yep. It, yeah. It, yeah. And, and you know what? And he's and he gives the same talking points. I knew I wasn't getting anything different about him on the Saudi money. And, yep. uh, you know, and, and actually, you know, from someone who. Uh, uh, someone who's spoken a lot with both sides of this, I, I do get both sides. I understand it. Doesn't yep. mean I agree with both sides. Right. I understand it, and I get the points where you know, he, and he has the talking points. Where do we get our gas? Why are the NBA's in China? Uh, there are twenty-three. There, however many, there are companies the PGA Tour is doing business with who have ties to Saudi Arabia. Right. Me, and this is just me, and this is my thinking. A lot of this, I, I think, but but those people, you know, when the F1 goes to Saudi Arabia, the F1 money, the F1 is not run out of Saudi Arabia. You know, they have a, they have a race there. There's a horse race there. There's a, there's a tour, there's a women's, there's, there's tournaments there. But this league is directly funded directly by the Saudi Arabian government. Right. He's, you know, the PGA Tour working with companies who have, who have ties I, I get it. I, that's you know, it's it's ammunition for the other side, one hundred percent. But it's different. Yep, I got you, Tom. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Appreciate the info, and uh, we'll talk again too. At my pleasure. Thanks for thanks for having me. All right, thanks. That is Palm Beach Post reporter Tom D'Angelo sitting down with Greg Norman. Up next after a break is Dave Schultz, president of Next Links, who went to the first U.S. LIV Portland event. 
Have you got kids, and do they like birthday parties? Well, you know, one place they have those is at CJ's Italian Restaurant. Uh, you can even ask when you go in if you are there to ask for pizza dough so they could uh, pass some time away. Check out their monthly specials created by the local elementary schools. Part of the proceeds goes back to those schools. They're family-owned, operated business. Most of their food is made in the kitchen from scratch every day, including the pizza doughs for the deep dish, thin crust, cauliflower, Bread, sauces, dressings, toppings, meatballs, lasagna, and that list goes on and on. Check out the full menu. And that deep dish is incredible, mouth-watering for sure. Check out the full menu at cjsitalianrestaurant.com. Harris English, PGA Tour player, and you're listening to the Back Nine Boys. And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. We're so glad that you are with us and spending part of your weekend with us. Uh, we're having a little bit of technical difficulties trying to get a hold of Dave Schultz, president of Next Links. We'll get up with him in just a few minutes. But we also had an opportunity during this time of the year, you know, going outside, playing golf, being out in the sun four to five hours, you need protection. You need some kind of, uh, uh, you know, sunscreen. And we all need to do that because of all the issues that are going to happen and we had a chance to talk with Randy Wyatt of SkinView about what we need to do and we should do every day, whether we're playing golf or we're just out in the sun every day. Here's that interview. When you don't protect yourself, you, uh, you, you develop bad things that uh, sometimes turn out to be very insidious disease called skin cancer. And the, the reason that SkinView came into existence is because there, there's, some dis, there's a huge disparity in, in the area of skin cancer in dermatology. Um, one of the disparities are there's, there's just not enough dermatologists around, and in the United States, this, our healthcare system, as it is in other specialties, there's parts of it that are broken. Seventy percent of the people in the U.S. do not see a dermatologist for preventative care in the United States. And of the 30% that do, only about 25% of those are getting best practices. And I'm comparing this to the rest of the world, right. where a place like Australia, number one, two out of three people will develop skin cancer by the time of age 70. They are doing things as standard practices, and it's called dermography. So it's imaging of it's early detection, and that's the key. You know, I don't care what you're doing to protect your skin um, as long as you're doing something to protect your skin, right? Wearing the right clothing, wearing the right sunscreen, and doing early detection. Getting your skin checked is so important because if skin cancer is detected early, it's 99% curable. It is the most popular cancer out there, yet it is the fastest-growing cancer in incidence than any other cancer. Is that because people don't action. wear any any protection, that they don't wear any, uh, you know, skin care products or well, suntan lotion? A, a lot of that is. People, you know, men are worse at it than women. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to say that. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, we, we just are, we, and I own that. Um, but, but, yeah, there's not enough education out there. People don't know, even the people that are going to see a dermatologist, aren't aware that, you know, you apply sunscreen, but then when do you reapply? Well, you better re re reapply, reapplying that sunscreen every two to three, four hours. Hmm. You know, it, it, it does wear off. Yeah. I, and that I, is I, Randy Wyatt, who is the president of SkinView, talking about we all need to do sun care and uh, uh, 
take care of ourselves, and we do know that. We're back now uh, over those technical difficulties. For sure, the show is live. We know that. So Dave Schultz is president of Next Links. He also traveled to the first U.S. LIV event. Good morning, Dave. How are you? Good morning, Rich. I apologize. Time zone issue. That's okay. I, hey, I understand that. I mean, whether there is a time zone difference or not, there are still some issues sometimes when you go live. But let me ask you, why did you want to go to the first LIV Portland event? Uh, well, one, I was invited. Um, and two, with all this excitement around it, you know, I say excitement, um, with a caveat, but there's certainly a lot of energy behind it, right? Sure. So I, I just wanted to see what the whole event was all about. I wanted to see for myself firsthand. And what were your thoughts going to the first event? Uh, it was incredible, right? So a lot of what we heard, what I heard going in was about the format of the 54, you know, the 54, the shotgun start. Um, you know, and a lot of that was... Uh, you know, uh, negative <laughs> um, right. about the competition, about, you know, how it would come off. And, and so, you know, for me, getting there and being able to experience the actual competition, watch the players prepare, you know, get ready for their games, et cetera, um, it, it was just really exciting to be there, and it was really exciting to have sort of a firsthand impression about it. All right, you've been to PGA Tour events. How did the live event in Portland compare to some of the PGA Tour events that you've gone to? It, it was different, Rich. It, it, it was, it, you know, there was certainly, um, you know, I love the PGA Tour, and, and I love PGA Tour events, for one. And right. um, there was, a, you know, the players were a little more relaxed. They, they were um, a little more interactive with the crowd. It, it was you know, you talk about it being an exhibition. It was an exhibition. You know, it was an exhibition of excellent golf. Um, but it was also very, very competitive. You know, one of the things that I've heard, you know, as a negative about it is, um, you know, about the shotgun start and right. how, you know, the lead players won't finish on 18 on the last day and all that. Um, what they did on the last day is they actually stacked the two lead groups on the first tee. So, you know, it was almost a guarantee that the winners would come in on 18, and in fact, they did. Okay. So they kind of changed it up a little bit, maybe to create a little bit more drama so you could see out of the eight players that were in those two foursomes or two threesomes, whatever they had, uh, that you'd be able to see possibly the winner. Yeah, you know, and, and what I did on the last day is I ended up, somebody drove in from, you know, Seattle that I knew, and we walked uh, with the lead groups for four or five holes, and okay. then I was lucky enough to have, you know, the, the tent there on the 18th hole, and, and so I went and watched the players come in the last couple of holes and, and, and watched the whole finish. But it, it finished much much like a regular professional tournament. I kind of thought it was neat that it ended on a Saturday because uh, I was able to watch the PGA Tour finish on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, 54 holes, I know there's been a lot of criticism from a lot of players about, uh, you know, they're not going to be able to get world ranking points, or if they do, they're not going to get as much. Uh, that could be an issue coming up in the future. It, it could be, but it seems less and less likely, right? I mean, that's where we really do get into the, you know, the legal aspects of it. It's it seems that the new tour has a pretty good legal footing in terms of, of really, 
you know, sort of challenging the ability to get ranking points, you know, because there's other events that are not 72-hole events that are getting ranking points now. Um, but, you know, I think the, the real key, Rich, is how do we figure out how to sort of acknowledge that sport can exist and, and, and should exist, you know, really now that it, now that it exists, right? Let's not... Let's not say it has to die. Let's figure out how to get the tours to work together, you know. And, and that doesn't mean, you know, when I hear about that, you hear about having your cake and eat it too, right? right. That doesn't mean that these players that have gotten paid a bunch of money to go to this new tour just be able to drop in and all of a sudden collect all the money from the other tour whenever they want, right? I think that what really needs to happen is that, that you know, leaders get together and, and figure out what the right answer is for the you know, for the fans and the customers. Well, let me ask um, you this. Do you think, Dave, that the leaders, I mean, we've known about this for quite a while. It's not like it came up over a weekend. Do you think that the leaders, Norman and Jay Monahan, maybe should have tried to get together maybe a year ago to try and work this out? Well, I mean, that's the tough part about anything new, right, is when the people that, already sort of are in charge, you know, the PGA Tour and the new people that want to do something different, you know, can't see eye to eye, you know, those doors don't open. So I, I would say that, you know, if you really have studied and looked at the history of this, you know, Golf Saudi was formed in 2018, you know, by Saudi Aramco. Right. And, uh, you know, the desire certainly was not to allow it to get to this point and create all these problems. You know, the, the history of the PGA Tour is if it's not, you know, our idea and we don't own it, you know, then it can't happen. And so, you know, when you get people that have a business plan that are determined to, you know, to, to really, you know, execute on their business plan and it interferes with the status quo, you know, sometimes you have to break things um, before they can get better. And I think we're in that mode right now where things are a little bit broken. But, you know, watching the... Here it is, you know, open weekend, and wow, what a great tournament. I even heard Brandel say you know, on the, the after show yesterday, you know, no matter what you think about Liv, it certainly is, is creating more drama for this weekend's championship than, you know, any other championship you could remember. So, you know, I, from a fan perspective, I'm already kind of you know, intrigued by it, and it's not like, it's not like all of a sudden all the great players are gone and they're all playing on the lift tour. There's only a couple of players that are in control right. open. Right. 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 So. Well, Dave, hold on. We've got to take a quick break. We're going to be back with Dave Schultz, president of Next Links, uh, talking more about the live. Portland event right after this on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Stay with us. Hi, this is John O'Hurley, Jay Peterman, and you are listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. Uh, we're on with Dave Schultz, president of Next Links, who attended the first U.S. LIV event. You know, Dave, I was thinking while we were in that break that, you know, one of the things as a spectator, and you've been to many PGA Tour events, you're there for most of the day. I mean, you know, you may not, you may be sitting at 16 waiting for the groups to come, but in this tournament, uh, you know, you're spending a lot less time at the golf course. Yeah, I mean, it. It's what's really was kind of, I wasn't sure what to think about it, Rich. Okay. I'd never experienced it before. But what it turned out being like is like going to an NFL game, right? You know, it, it, it had a pregame element to it. You know, a lot of the people showed up. And then, you know, having all of the pros prepare for the same tee time. You know, I know it's only a 48-man roster, but 
know, having 48 of incredible players out there on the tee box all at the same time is not something you see at a PGA Tour yeah. event, right? Because yeah. they're staggering in and, and going out, and then same thing on the putting green. And then, you know, five minutes before game time, you know, the parachuters come down and the players are, you know, all racing out to their, their holes like a shotgun start that right. we're all familiar with, you know. Um, and, and then the, and then the play starts. You know, the first day I posted up on a par three and just watched balls fly in for a while. And then, you know, then I realized I had access to the VIP tent and I spent a little more time hanging out in there. Um, but it, but it was just, it was just fun. It was just, you know, the other thing I would say that was different, you know, I heard Tiger talking about, um, what he called blaring music, you know, keeping in mind that, that these guys are, are really, you know, trying to spin it in a little bit of a negative light. You know, what I found out about the music was that, you know, in a PGA Tour event, I'm walking around, my legs get tired. You know, same thing happened here, but, you know, every three or four holes where the big scoreboards are, they just had ambiance music, right? It wasn't loud blaring music. It was just sort of, you know, pick-me-up music. And so okay. I, I, I'm... I observe and watch people, so I just see people kind of dancing and whatnot. And it, you know, having a little bit of music out there on the playing field was a was a positive. And yeah, it just I, sounds like you know, there's uh, obviously more things going on than with a regular PGA Tour event. Let me ask you this: You're a fan, and you say you like the format. You know, you like the way it happens. You like you know the time you spend at the golf course. What are your thoughts if they do not get a TV? contract or a tv outlet i mean would you still be a fan would you watch it online as 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 often as maybe they think everybody will no no chance i mean i haven't, I haven't watched it at all really much on tv i you know i saw the live event and i got a feel for the competition i thought it was great um i didn't really understand the team aspect of it while i was there until i saw how much the players enjoy the team aspect hmm. and realized and realized sort of you know, this is structured a lot like Formula One racing, right? They're going to have these 12 four-man teams. Right. Um, but keep in mind that they've already done media rights deals internationally. What they're, what they're really doing is they, they own all their own media content, a little bit like Augusta National does, right, for the Masters. They produce their own content and then, and then distribute it. And so they've, they've already got media distribution rights in, in a lot of markets. They're just waiting for the U.S. market until they have their product right and you know, I was there, and I was there was people from ESPN there. I mean, there was all the all the media companies were there watching this thing with me, and it mm. it, it really is not at all this sort of goofy negative exhibition type event that it's being portrayed to be. Right? It was it was it was definitely highly competitive and and very high quality golf. Well, we got time for one more question. Rumor has it, and did you hear any rumors about maybe other players? Uh, including possibly a top 10 player who might leave the PGE Tour for the Live Tour? Yeah, I mean, I, you see these players and how their names come up, and they, they're like, oh, no, not me, not me. Um, I've heard that there's at least, you know, maybe three or four next week after the Open, and mm -hmm. it's going to be, I'm sure we're all going to be guessing, you know, over this weekend which ones they are. So um, I I, I have some guesses, Rich, but I don't want to say them out loud because then, you know, then I'll become part of the problem, right? No, you won't. Come on, Dave. Do it. <laughs> Give us one. No, Give us one. To, I don't want to become part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution. Oh, you won't even give us one. 
I, I would, but then I'd be wrong, and then, then I'd... <laughs> oh, we all could be wrong. We all could be wrong. Dave, I really appreciate you going up there and uh, getting up early uh, since you're out in California and being with us this morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, I apologize for the screw-up. It's okay. That's all right, Dave. Thank you. Dave Schultz, president of Next Links, with us on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. We'll see you next week. Com for all things golf whenever you want it. We'll be back next week with an all-new Back Nine Boys at BackNineBoys.com.